for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Public Relations. Today is January 25th, 2019. My co-host today is Megan Kazak, Communications Director for the City of Stillwater. So how are you doing today, Megan? I'm doing well, despite the chilliness. Yourself? It is. It's kind of cool out, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I went and dropped my car off, and somebody was like, oh, we're going to have snow here in just a few minutes. In a few uh, minutes. Yeah, in a few minutes. <laughs> and now you're stranded Very, without yeah. a car. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I thought that was kind of fun. Everybody's <laughs> wanting some some snow. Um, so today we've invited uh, Chief Tom Bradley to FYI Stillwater to discuss uh, things that his department does. But before we uh, bring him on, let's start with some basic facts about the Stillwater uh Fire Department, Megan. Okay, well, let's start off with its mission. Respond quickly, perform professionally, save lives and property, be caring and compassionate. Um, The Stillwater Fire Department, uh, we also call it SFD for short, is uh, comprised of 74 uniformed personnel and two non-uniformed, serving an estimated population of 49,000 people and the Oklahoma State University campus with an enrollment of more than 20,000 people. Uh, SFD provides Stillwater area residents with a rapid response to incidents and control of a wide range of emergency situations. Uh, They serve in dual roles as both firefighters and emergency medical technicians, and the men and women of the department are responsible for providing fire suppression and emergency medical services. Wow, that is a mouthful. Yes. Um, So anyway, a a very important uh, department, no doubt. Uh, Welcome, Chief Bradley. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, So glad you could make it today. Uh, Before we get started with actually talking about your department, we're going to loosen up with a lightning round and ask you some random but revealing questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Well, we just heard about the SFD being so prepared, so I'm sure you are. So let's see here. I'm just going to... Let's see here. We have a list. I know. What... Okay, Chief Bradley, which school topic did you hate then but wish you had paid more attention to now? Oh, by far it was English. I wished I would have paid much more attention during my English classes. And, uh, uh, you know, it's something that at the time probably didn't take it to heart. And I was thinking uh, on the way up here today, uh, you know, why I disliked English so much. And I think it has to do with is, is I, uh, I lived in six different school zones when I was growing up. Mm. So every time we kind of got into something, it was time to move. So mm-hmm. lived all over the East Coast. And uh, I think that's probably where I learned to not enjoy English quite as much. So are we talking grammar or literature? Uh, both. Both. Both, <laughs> yeah. You know, both. I, I was the same way. I had moved uh, right before I started seventh grade, and I hated seventh grade English, and I ended up in a communications writing profession, so that's ironic. It's but never too late. Never too it's late. It's never and too late. anyone under the sun. So interesting. All right. Um, tell me 10 things I'd see when I walk in your office door. Oh, you'd see some old photos on the wall of the history of uh, the city of Stillwater and Stillwater Fire Department. You'd see an old picture of me wearing my father's firefighting gear from Virginia. How old Uh, were you? uh, At the time, I was probably seven or eight. Oh, that is an awesome uh, image. And then uh, you'd see a bookcase, and then on that bookcase, you would see 
lots of plans and emergency operation plans and uh, ISO evaluations and uh, FMAG grants for reimbursements of uh, rural grass fires that we've had in the past. And then you would see uh, a lot of budgetary uh, books that cover the last uh, 20 years of uh, City of Stillwater's budgets. And then on my desk, you would see a desk that's very busy with lots of little piles on it of things that are either in the process or something that I have to refer back to quite quick. You're very organized, no doubt. So the piles are, are strategically organized, or is it just a, uh, a mesh? Of, it's kind of an organized chaos. There's uh, piles of things that are uh, taking place right now. There's piles of things that are, or stacks of things that are I might touch uh, again, uh, uh, something that might have relevance to uh, the operations of the department and uh, need a quick reference to. Uh, it's really the day-to-day business stuff, a lot of financial stuff to make sure we're following the uh, city's guidance on the budget and make sure that we live within our means that right. are provided. All right, let's go one more. If you could go anywhere in the world for a month-long vacation, where would you go and why? I'd probably go back to Germany, and I'd probably spend Mm -hmm. a a month uh, based out of Germany, and then I'd probably drop down to Italy and Austria and probably back over into the southern part of France for a little bit. Oh, my goodness. And why? Is there something you want to go back and see or that you didn't get to see? I guess you would say it's the old country and the historical aspects of Mm -hmm. what's in Europe. Uh, It's very fascinating. uh, And uh, go back and see some of that stuff uh, and spend a little bit more time to enjoy it uh, would be a lot of fun. Having the time to to really delve into the pieces that you're really interested or the buildings or whatever would would be a luxury. I lived in Germany in uh, 82 through 84, and uh, I was with an aviation group and uh, with the military. And uh, I got an orientation flight one day with a pilot and a new new pilot that came into country. And we flew around all of Bavaria, and we looked at all the castles from a helicopter. And we did about four hours of flight time, and I think we saw every castle in Bavaria. From the top. From the top, (laughs) at at about about 500 feet above ground. So it was pretty interesting. Wow. Now, that's something not everyone can say that they've done. Uh, well, let's kind of kind of continue your path here, because um, I'm always curious about how people ended up in some of the positions they did. So, how did uh, what was your career path, and how did you become a fire chief? Kind of just in a nutshell. Well, although I'm sure it's a I'll, really I'll, complex, I'll, long I'll, story. I'll back up to to the early '80s, and when I joined the military, it was my desire to go out and become an air, uh, aviation mechanic, and to become a mechanic. You have to have a federal certification or a federal license to work on airplanes. So I joined the Army. I did my stint, and that qualified me to uh, take my tickets or uh, to take the test to become a a mechanic. I was hired at the Stillwater Airport part-time when I got off, uh, got out of the Army, and then uh, I was made full-time out there for a short period of time. And while I was working nights or something, I saw this this, – piece of paper come through that they were looking for firefighters so it paid a lot more than what I was making so I applied for for uh, the fire department and uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected when they opened fire station number four up uh, I went on and got my uh, license to work on airplanes and uh, 
went to work at the fire department, and, and my career path at the time was I always kind of thought it'd be nice to reach the level of battalion chief. And the battalion chief is the uh, the individual that runs the shift and is at over all four fire stations and manages 22 firefighters on duty and, you know, commands the fires and makes all the administrative decisions on a day-to-day basis for his crew. And I always aspired to uh, <coughs> reach that level. And then back in the 80 or the late 90s, uh, they created a position that was the deputy fire marshal. And uh, I was the first deputy fire marshal for the city of Stillwater. And I worked in that position for two years, and I got a real good understanding of the bigger picture, so to speak, and how it's a big department. It's, There's it's, a lot going it's, on there. It's a big department, and one of the things that the, most people don't realize is the Stillwater Fire Department has the Fire Marshal's Division, which is is responsible for code compliance and enforcement on businesses for um, the safety of the community and the safety of the, the workers there. So we look for fire hazards and make sure that you know if uh, business A is going to occupy a building that it's the right type of uh, business for the location they're not putting a hazardous material storage business right next to a uh, school or something along those lines because you assume that somebody's taking care of it but we don't really see people actually carrying that out oh no it's all behind the scenes and we work closely with community development and the stillwater police department to make sure that all this stuff is going on and the big thing that we want to make sure on the fire marshal's division is is that we don't impact the customer in a negative way. So uh, if somebody was wanting to open a business in Stillwater and they were unsure of, of what the requirements are, uh, that's the time to ask so you find a suitable location and you don't expend a lot of effort and money and time to uh, select a building and then get down to the very end and go, well, you can't put it there because of the rules. Right. Uh, so if we have to change the rules uh, and it doesn't impact the safety, that's a process. Or maybe the individual might have to go out and look for some right. other place that would work for them. But back to the original question, of, I enjoyed what I did in the fire marshal's office. And then there were some changes in the way that uh, <clears throat> promotions took place within the Stillwater Fire Department. So I went back online as a captain a couple years later and uh, worked on trucks or uh, on the fire engine uh, with a crew. And then uh, I had an opportunity, uh, I was involuntary recalled to the United States Army and did two years in the Army and I was, uh, we were preparing soldiers to go overseas at uh, the brigade level, uh, the upper level of the administration to go in country and, and do some stuff there. So I learned uh, to enjoy the administrative side of the house quite a bit. And then when I came back, uh, my time was getting short within the Stillwater Fire Department for retirement. And, of course, as you move along, you want to maximize your retirement and, and things. And uh, so, I, you know, you look at the magic board, and there's a couple more promotions that came up. One was a battalion chief and one was an assistant chief. And uh, uh, the assistant chief's position came open before the battalion chief. And I was lucky enough to be selected for that. But... Uh, back to the original question, I think timing and some good luck and a lot of uh, experience in different areas and uh, being a little bit flexible uh, is what's made me successful mm-hmm. in reaching to the level of assistant chief. 
and it's something that takes time. Mm-hmm. So, so the fire department. I mean, that not only do they do fire uh, suppression, but you also are the first responders. Mm-hmm. And what what other uh, duties? When we talk about what Stillwater Fire Department's uh, charged with, uh, we also do hazardous materials response. We have a regional a response trader that's provided by the federal government, the Homeland Security, and uh, it's responsible for about the northeast quadrant of the state, northeast quarter of the state, and uh, it has all the neat stuff on it to identify chemicals, to uh, uh, isolate and mitigate the events as they occur. We also have a technical rescue uh, team so that if somebody crawls up a TV antenna or radio antenna and they have an issue, we can pull them down. Or if it's below grade, trench rescue, water rescue. Uh, We talked a little bit about the fire marshal's office and code compliance. They also do arson investigation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a shout out to the fire marshal's offices. You know, they've done a really good job last couple of years of identifying uh, set fires and finding the people responsible for them and uh, working with the district attorney's office and the city attorney's office and Stillwater Police and successfully prosecuting those where uh, people have been uh, uh, found guilty. And have but this is a serious crime because the, the potential is so big. It's, oh, it's, it's huge. And, uh, you know, we're talking about life safety when, you know, you have 30, 40 people working in a business and, uh, you know, somebody sets a fire or somebody sets a fire to do insurance fraud, you know, that impacts everybody on wow. higher insurance rates. So we're very proud of the uh, fire marshal's division and their, their, the, the quality of work that they do and uh, identifying these things and, and prosecuting them. So the other thing I know that you guys do a lot is training. There's just endless training. And you have a, a building uh, that you can convert to whatever type of training you're needing? Sure. Uh, uh, we put in uh, at Fire Administration not too long ago, uh, over the course of the last five years, as we have a training prop behind uh, the fire station that uh, we can mimic high-rise uh, fire training. We have a, a uh, NFPA-compliant burn room where new firefighters and and tenured firefighters can go in and actually uh, put out fire. Uh, it's, com- it's computer controlled. It burns wood. It's mm-hmm. uh, uh, eco-friendly, and uh, it really puts them into the position of being able to uh, suppress fires and do it in a logical way, where we can create less damage to the uh, the building that's burning. You know, we don't want to go in and just spray everything with water and right. damage mm-hmm. the stuff that's non-burned. So. There's a there's an art to that. In addition to that, they do uh, they utilize it for rappelling and high angle rescue and emergency procedures. Uh, one of the neatest ones, and I think it's on our website, is where they demonstrate a uh, emergency bailout from a second floor window, and you see these guys jumping out of the window and sliding down a, a ladder. It's a procedure they use. So if they get into a building and they have to exit uh, because of a flashover or because of they become entrapped because of the heat and flames, then it's a method that they can self-extricate and yeah. preserve life. Because I have watched some of those videos, and, and you really can see that there is uh, science and art working together. And it's like, oh, that's how they do that. So it's really, it is very interesting. I would not want to face a fire and not have all this training. So, so uh, you know, you do realize how much... 
uh, training goes into this. this the, the fire department has what's uh, a chief of training, and he's responsible to ensure that the mandated training that's uh, required by the Stillwater Fire Department is completed by all the employees. But in addition to that, he works with the company officers to make sure the company officers are the guy that's in charge of the truck and uh, his crew, and they make sure that that training is being completed, but more importantly that we uh, provide as much available time as necessary for that company officer to identify what's necessary for his crew and give them the flexibility to manage their own training. And all that training is uh, important because we, we track all of that and eventually uh, it's used during the insurance service office uh, every five year uh, review of Stillwater and it it potentially could affect the uh, cost that's paid for homeowners insurance mm-hmm. so it's a very important factor of, of what we do not only do they do suppression training fire suppression training and rescue training and hazardous materials training uh, all of our employees are either EMT basics intermediates or paramedics and that has con- uh, mandatory continuing education requirements for relicensure every two years and that's a significant part and in fact uh, starting this week we've started an EMT intermediate class for six of our newest employees uh, and it'll take about six months for those folks to go through that training uh, it's it's about 500 hours in total length with their practicals and their classroom instruction and at the conclusion of that they'll take a test and they'll become licensed uh, intermediates so there, there is a lot of training, and they've got to know a lot of stuff. And, and the city uh, obviously wants to have the best quality of firefighters and emergency management people as possible. I would say the city has, has the best firefighters and EMTs. Mm-hmm. Not only do we want it, we, we demand it, we and, demand it. and the employees demand it as well. So uh, it, it really falls along with what our mission statement is of uh, being caring, compassionate, and uh, respond professionally yeah. absolutely and you know chief Bradley, another thing that i think the stillwater fire department does exceptionally well is your public education and outreach um you go to a lot of schools and a lot of organizations to talk about um ways to be fire safe and another component is the firewise program and going out and speaking to people about how to keep their properties safe could you tell us a little bit about that program and and things that you're trying to get out We've, we've done an extremely good job with the uh, public education aspect uh, across Stillwater, and not only in Stillwater, but in some of the surrounding communities where our firefighters reach out to the uh, smaller school districts outside of the city of Stillwater. In addition to that, <clears throat> we're always available to go to community groups and talk about any aspect of what the fire department does, but we're also part of the FireWise program, and FireWise is... Uh, empowering the public to make their homes and their properties defensible against wildland fires. And if you think about Stillwater, you know, we're, we don't have mountains like they have in California, but we do have a lot of rural agricultural property that is pasture land and uh, abuts the city of Stillwater. So those houses that are in that what's called the wildland urban interface area You know, those folks really need to take inventory of their properties and to make sure that if there was a catastrophic fire coming their direction, is their house defendable? That's removing those combustibles that are up close to the house, keeping the leaves away from the 
the foundation, uh, making sure that the little porches and stuff, that they don't have firewood stored on the ground where it's going to potentially catch on fire Mm -hmm. and then create an issue. Now, keep in mind that on the best of days, we have 22 individuals on duty and we have our surrounding departments. So if one of these things get out of control, uh, you know, there's always the possibility that we could have a catastrophic loss. And with the public's assistance, we can limit that. Absolutely. Uh, the, you know, the forward thinking of the department, the, the outreach you guys do, the training, um, you know, we do have a very strong fire department. And um, so um, it's, just, uh, it's, it's just surprising to me how, much, how busy and you're not, if you don't see the, the trucks going out, you think they're just sitting there waiting for someone to call. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Along with the trucks going out, a lot of times we made just over 5,000 calls during the last calendar year, January 1 to December 31st. 5,000 calls. 5,000 wow. calls. And uh, <clears throat> of that, a lot of those calls are emergency medical response calls. Somebody's had a uh, cardiac event, somebody's had a uh, possible stroke, diabetic emergencies, car wrecks, things mm-hmm. like that. And uh, we respond in conjunction with the Ambulance Transport Service, LifeNet, on those really severe calls, and that's based on emergency medical dispatch. So we go on the really bad ones. We don't go on, you know, the slip and falls where somebody's turned their ankle. But what happens is, is we work collectively with LifeNet EMS to provide the best quality care, whether they're first on the scene or we're first on the scene. Mm-hmm. And um, Chief Bradley, I know you also have um, a rural fire service contract that you offer for people who live outside Stillwater City Limits or own property. Can you touch on that a little bit too? Because that's really an important facet of Sure. Back in the, you offer. about 2009, 2008, uh, we were given some guidance by the council at the time, and they uh, changed the uh, rural fire response subscription program to the rural fire contract. And what the rule fire contract is, is if you own property outside the corporate city limits and we provide you service, we are obligated by ordinance to bill you for that service. Mm-hmm. So we've offered a rule fire contract that limits any out of pocket or limits the amount of the bill for service to a maximum of $2,000. You have the contract, you're still going to get a bill, but it's not going to exceed $2,000. Which is important when you talk about a house fire or a structure fire uh, that could easily exceed $2,000 based on the manpower and the equipment that we provide. If you don't have a contract, we'll still come to your property, mm-hmm. but there is no cap on the amount of uh, uh, cost to yeah. you. And, the, and it's only $100 and it lasts you the entire calendar year. You can sign up anytime you can sign up anytime you can come down to fire administration or you can come to customer service at city hall they'll be happy to help you uh fill out the contract it's a hundred dollars per year it lasts from january 1 to december 31st if you sell your property uh that contract will pass on to the to the new owner um it's just a really great program and what's unique about that is those funds that are captured through the fire contract that's what's used to buy the brush trucks and the grass trucks and the wildland firefighting gear and stuff so it stays with the fire department in order to provide that service to folks outside the city limits fantastic 
Well, um, I think we need to have you come back and go over a little bit more about what your department does and to really talk about these rural fires, and and there's Mm -hmm. just so much there. So, But thank you for showing up today and kind of walking us through uh, the fire department. So, But we do want to have you come back. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Chief. Hey, Megan, let's go ahead and move over to the uh, mailroom. So the city receives a lot of questions, um, you know, in a variety of ways. We get emails, social media, people come into City Hall and ask questions and make phone calls. So we've selected a couple of these Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll do our best to answer them. So uh, the first question I have today is what is this tax receipt that I've been seeing? Uh I think somebody left a phone call for us. And how do I know how much uh, I pay in sales tax? Yeah, so this taxpayer receipt tool is actually a companion piece to our balancing act tool so you might have heard about that one which is you can send us a play budget and like tell us what you want to see in next year's budget as we're um, working towards FY20 and so what taxpayer receipt is it's really simple you just put in your age your income and um, the percent of your purchases that you put in Stillwater so you just kind of estimate yeah you just estimate like I get this much money before taxes are taken and I spend 90% of, you know, of my purchases purchases are in Stillwater, maybe the other 10% are uh, online or out of out of uh, the city and it will actually take that and it will take the information we have from our budget on balancing act and tell you, hey, you spend $70 a year for fire. You spend right because what it'll do is it'll look for. at the budget and say if mm-hmm. you estimated you spent five hundred dollars it'll say of that five hundred dollars the city budgeted X number for the fire department mm-hmm. or the police department yeah or to take care of the parks or the library so you can actually like I said see a receipt mm-hmm. of all the services that yeah. you're uh, receiving because we all know that you know we pay taxes for these services so now you can see like. What, what is your what, piece? Is, what are you actually yeah, paying for? Absolutely. So it might be pretty surprising, actually, mm-hmm. that you might not realize you're actually spending less than you thought you And would. where do you find the tax receipt? So if you go to stillwater.org slash engage, um, that a link to tax receipt and to a balancing act and a lot of other tools are there. And so that's just an easy way. To get there. To get there. Uh, the other question we had, I think somebody asked one of the city councilors this, was uh, what is the complete count committee? Great question. Yeah, this is a committee of volunteers from across Stillwater, um, other Payne County cities like um, Glencoe and Perkins and other organizations across Stillwater in the community. But we're working toward the 2020 census. And so we're, um, it's a young group, but we're getting together um, from all 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 these different perspectives and we're talking about you know what are things that might um that we can prepare for the census what are questions that we might um be getting from residents across our communities about how they can fill out the census Uh, we know that the 2020 census is going to be predominantly online this year and it hasn't been that way in the past so how some changes yeah educate and let you all know that we're here to help and ways that we can make it as simple as possible for everyone to count themselves in the census um yeah so we're and you know what are the benefits of making sure that we have a complete count for our city and our county so um the census the last or you could say census day is april 1 2020 yes and we want everyone to complete uh their census and to be counted um you know there's a lot of reasons why it's important to be part of to include yourself in the census it um 
tells us how many U.S. Uh, representatives we would have. Mm-hmm. It affects how much funding comes back to our county. So it's really important that everyone gets counted so that we can understand how much uh, uh, we can be part of uh, of, of everything. It affects everything. It really does, yeah. yeah. And like we said earlier, we have almost 50,000 people when we're talking about how many people's SFDs responds to so um, if we can show a complete count for both Stillwater and then a complete count of how many people are in Payne County that couldn't benefit all of us mm-hmm. together absolutely well um we'll probably come back to the census a couple of more yeah, times on this podcast it's, it's gonna be growing so thanks everyone for listening to FYI Stillwater and uh, we will see you next time yep tune in for our next podcast thanks everyone If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org, and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast.